Oh, come, Foxborough faithful. It's time for a new six rings where Fitzy and Andy argue and make some bets. Not bad. Excuse me? How'd, you, how'd that one feel? Right in your silver bells, huh? That was terrible. Uh, that was... See, you, you know. can't even just... It, isn't this the time of the year? Uh, it, better to give than receive, to be generous. Ye of good faith and cheer. The, the spirit of the season. I don't know. I'm just trying to entertain people, make them cringe, uh, uh, laugh, cry. Everything. Basically, in just a few minutes' time here on the latest Six Rings and Football Things, brought to you, of course, as always... By FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, make every moment more. Sign up today if you haven't already. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? What better offer? What better gift could you give yourself at this time of year than joining the FanDuel Sportsbook, fanduel.com slash six rings, and take advantage of their fabulous no sweat first bets, same game parlays, and so much more. And you get a nice little bonus when you use the fanduel.com slash six rings. Of course, I've been giving you the gift of free money for weeks now because if you hashtag Fade Fitzy, you get a ton because I have been on a roll. I stink at this. And that's okay because I'm making someone some money and I'm hopefully delivering all the goods at this time of year. Andy, on today's program, we will do whatever in the holy Hades we can to preview and provide a little insight and entertainment regarding the upcoming Christmas Eve affair, eight o'clock to my surprise on the NFL network, not on the Sunday night football. Is that because NBC has switched? Have they rolled their Sunday night football team over to Saturday night for a bigger marquee matchup? Um, Cause I know you got a couple games on the 23rd. I've been, I've been not shy about sharing my affection for Saturday holiday football time. Uh, love those games. Got a bunch of games on Christmas Eve and a couple games on Christmas Day. I imagine the big one, Monday night, and that's like potentially the game of the year. Could legitimately be a Super Bowl preview. Ravens at 49ers. Five-star game of the year. Call 1-800-FITZY-BLOWS and I'll give you my five-star play of the year. That, that's probably actually a number. If you actually just align. So now we have to buy that. That's what happens. If you mention a website on television, you have to buy it. So now people are going to go to something that'll be like, you know, uh, an insurance company or something. Um, yeah, that's going to be a heater. So I imagine the Sunday night football team is uh, rolling their coverage to something on Saturday, which gives us, I'm guess, is it going to be Chris Rose and Jason McCourty? Is it going to be Rich Eisen? Who are we going to get on the call Sunday night? You think? Let me go to my press release, courtesy of the Patriots PR department, where they always give you the TV breakdown. It will be on NFL Network, seen locally yep. on WCVB Channel 5. Channel if you don't five. have a network locally, Rich Eisen will handle play-by-play -play duties with Kurt Warner as the color analyst. Oh, that's a well, that they'll make a fine broadcasting team. Will they? You know what they're going to tell me? How what? Bill's not as bad and the Patriots aren't as bad as I keep saying they are because Rich Eisen is a rump swab and mm -hmm. Kurt Warner probably still thinks it's 2001. No, I actually think, well, that was a bit of a salty time for Mr. Warner because he, he, he stole a victory and actually they earned a victory in November and then they had one ripped away from him a couple and a half months later. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Andy, I don't know if you know this, but um, today as we record Thursday, December 21st, 2023 in the year of our whatever, uh, Today is a an interest. There's always a the Patriots with their luscious and rich history. Uh, today is the anniversary of the last regular season victory at uh, Foxborough Stadium. You could you may call it Sullivan. You may call it. I prefer to call it Schaefer. That's how I grew up. I grew up with it. And it's also the anniversary of Tom Brady's last victory in a Patriots uniform. Can you guess or at least remember the name of the team? Who did Tom Brady last beat? in a Patriots uniform. Jets. It was the other team that he called, that he was the father of, uh, that had to call him daddy for years in the AFC East. It was a Saturday affair against the Buffalo Williams at mm -hmm. Gillette Stadium. Remember that game? 24-17 final. Steph Gilmore got, before he got owned by Devontae Parker in the regular season finale, a loss against the Miami Dolphins. It was a Saturday affair. Remember, he got cooked on that bomb by John Brown. Big pass from jo uh, Josh Allen. 
So you're telling uh, me that Steph Gilmore, the worst defensive player of the year in the history of football, he got toasted late? Several times. Yeah, he was not a factor. Like the last two games, he was not good. I I always I still I still disagree with that DPOI. Um that's a hot take, I know. Uh Rex Burkhead with the game winning touchdown and that one I was oh, there. Sexy Rexy. I met one of my favorite underrated Patriots of the last 25. I just loved and everything about that guy's game. Yeah, never. I only had a chance to interview him on the radio a couple of times, but always just seemed like a rock solid guy. So, a couple quick uh, notes here. You yeah. asked about TV coverage and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. How this is shaking out? We told you, Rich Eyes and Kurt Warner. I think Warner will be interesting on the. By the way, sorry, real quick. Uh, I just I think Kurt Warner will do a good job vis a vis talking about perhaps the difference that good consistent quarterback play will do for the team next year. Should Belichick be in place and they address the oh, position yeah, no, like grownups? He'll, yeah. I, I, He'll be fine. Um, my guess is mm-hmm. he's going to be one of those national guys that tells us that we don't know what we're talking about and blah, blah, blah. But whatever. Um, right. So As Saturday, mm-hmm. according to my uh, ESPN website, the first game, the 430 matchup between the Bengals and the Steelers, the NFC, uh, I mean, AFC. Another New- Saturday game. Listen, I told you I am here for, and now we are six minutes into the podcast and not talking about Broncos Patriots. That's how interesting it is. Um, I, I'm i here for all these Bengals games with Jake Browning. They are f- such a fun watch right now. Um, so that is on NBC. And then the okay. 8 o'clock game, the Bills at the Chargers According to this, is on Peacock. Is that a Peacock exclusive on Saturday night? So I won't be watching it. Is that a is that is that that's on the cock? Because they can shove it straight up their Peacock. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, for a dollar ninety for just a dollar ninety nine. Come on, I'd rather support a dog or feeding kids in Africa. Or you can, you know what? Actually, two things can be true at once. You can do both. Yep, I'm not giving them my money. Go after give it, give it to them. Give it to sure. them. What do I want to see the Chargers <laughs> for? It's Actually, no, like no, nobody wants to watch that, that game. Um, so let's transition over toward Patriot talk. And I have a question for you. Oh. SID level question that you won't okay. have the answer to. Well, you never know. Is this uh-huh. the first stretch of games in NFL history ish mm-hmm. where all three games included Super Bowl winning Hall of Fame head coaches? Mike Tomlin versus Bill Belichick, Andy Reid versus Bill Belichick, Sean Payton versus Bill Belichick. That's a lot of Super Bowl mm. rings. And I think probably whether I believe they should be or not, all those guys will eventually end up uh, potentially in Canton as Hall of Fame coaches. Well, we know two of the four absolutely will. Mike Tomlin, for the longevity factor alone, could very well end up in there. And Sean Payton, he did win one. If he turns the Broncos around and makes them a perennial playoff contender, could well could as well. Could uh, Here's the question. Could it be the greatest you got uh, ag- aggregation of Super Bowl rings over a three-game stretch. Six for Belichick, like one that. for Peyton, yeah. two for Reed. So that's a nine. I was told there'd be no math. And one for Tomlin, ten. Ten different Super Bowl rings over a three-game stretch. I would dare say, uh, though I know I'm part of no SID, um, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, I would dare say yes. Uh, the Super Bowl rings, the only concern I would have there is I'd go back to any Belichick-Joe Gibbs matchups. And see, but did he? But he only had three at the time, and Gibbs had three. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. And so now you could wonder, maybe like, was there a stretch where it was like the Cowboys against the Steelers? So Landry Knoll, yeah, followed by fl- maybe Flores Knoll. See, I'm trying to fluff things up positively, like, oh, you're seeing a historic stretch of football. Because the flip side is something that I wasn't made aware of till I read this. Um, I think it was an AP story that actually highlighted it for me that the Packers and the Patriots yet to have a 100-yard performance, and I say performance because rusher or receiver, and a team hasn't done that in a full season since 1977, the last time an NFL team without went without either a 100-yard rusher or a 100-yard receiver, and both the Packers and the Patriots have yet to establish a 100-yard game this year. Can I... Uh, can I place a wager? I mean, this is obviously a podcast sponsored by the FanDuel Sportsbook, so it yeah. seems apropos. Bet early, uh, bet often, bet more, bet on yourself, bet FanDuel. Wow, it's so weird that producer Justin Turpin was able to grab and drop in a sneak preview of FanDuel's upcoming 2024 ad campaign. Andy, that was, uh, I don't know how he was able to splice that in so quickly. Man, yeah, it was good. Good job, Turp. It's amazing. Voiceover guy could use some work, but that's fine. I well, he, awesome. I was, yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. Uh, 
I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to dare say the Patriots will go the remainder of this season without one of either because Ramondre Stevenson might play at the tail end of the year. I still don't think he'll get, be able to generate it because he's going against a, he won't play this week, but he, if he makes it back for the bills game, that's rushing somebody back. Who's a valuable asset and an integral part of your future plans. And then the final game of the year is against the jets. And I, I, it's what it might be negative 20 degrees that day in Foxborough could potentially be Belichick's last game. Although I kind of doubt it at this point. Um, so I don't think you'll see it on the ground. I don't think Zeke is going to get a hundred yard game. Tell me the wide receiver that would possibly get a hundred yard game for the Patriots between now and the end of the season. Uh, whichever one maybe goes 90 yards when a guy falls down on the first play of the game and then gets another catch at some point to get over hundred. Like Demarius Thomas, uh, on the zero blitz with a pass from T Tim Tebow in the playoffs. It's going to have to be that. I mean, we've, we've seen. The last couple of weeks, Juju against the Steelers got hot early. Devontae Parker last week uh, against the Chiefs got hot early. Now they weren't able to finish it. And both of them, you never know when they're going to play, whether their knees are, you know, allowing them to get to the field. They need some uh, woofs. I give my dog woofs because he has joint problems. And uh, woofs? I think that's what they, they're W-U-F-F-E or something. Not that I'm doing a live read on our podcast for them because they give me nothing and they're kind of expensive. Um, but it's a supplement I give my dog for his bad joint problems. I feel like oh, like a glucosamine and chondroitin yeah. kind of thing for, yeah. for pups. I feel like the Patriots should get those for Juju and Devontae Parker and some of their players because then maybe they would be able to go for 100 yards in the passing game because Bailey Zappi is going to give you shots. That's the one. He's going to take a shot. He's going to throw mm -hmm. it up there for you and give you a shot. But if what you if made it's... me pick, I would go Demario Douglas. I you would know, say I, okay, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get crazy. I'm gonna say that the hundred, if there were, to, I'm gonna bet against it on the ground and via the air. But if there were to be one, it's gonna be an incidental Tyquan Thornton day, where he catches one long. What? What are the yeah, odds no. on that? Friends at Fanduel, I, you should get good juice on that. Wow. Wow. Is that the is that the Balco read? Good juice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see it happening. I would say maybe if Thornton catches a big one and then gets a couple other shorties and it's just like, oh my God, Tyquan Thornton with that catch is, is at 101 yards. I'd pull him out of the game right there and say, ha, see. So you can't uh, do the Mr. Uh, what was that movie where the guy had to, he, he thought he hit 3000 hits, but then they went back and rescored one in error. So only had two ninety nine nine. Mr. 3000 <laughs> with Tom Selleck. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, wasn't that Miss? Yeah, that was right. Uh, uh, Mr. Baseball was with Tom Selleck. Kevin Costner was in Mr. 3000, I think, right? Uh, maybe. I used to joke with Andre Tippett because he has 100 career sacks. I used to always bust his balls and say, hey, did you hear they, um, they actually went back and looked at one of your sacks and they gave it to somebody else, so you only have 99 sacks now. And so then he gave a, a judo chop right to your throat. <laughs> I, tell, I tell the story all the time. He walked in. I was hanging out in Paul Perillo's office. He walked in, shut the lights off, so it went pitch black. He goes... Take one shot, but make it a good one because it's your last shot. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old yeah. Days. He, hey, uh, is there a game this week? He's an imposing. He's an imposing gentleman. Let me ask you this. Um, okay, so obviously there is a game. Yes, it is our duty to podcast and preview. Yes, we will cover the game extensively on a uh, delayed, if you will, Six Rings post game show that will also double as Weei's midday show on. Tuesday, January 26th, the powers that be actually delivered the ultimate Christmas gift to your old pals, Fitzy and Hart. They said, guys, you don't have to do the Six Rings postgame show immediately after the game because it'll be 1130. You got kids. You got to finish wrapping. You'll probably both be all nogged up a couple of nogzillas, a couple of noggensteins up there doing their Christmassy things. I'll be half. I'll be asleep on the sofa anyway, probably. So at that point. You guys just review, uh, just do the whole post game on the 26th, which will be great right after Christmas. So, guys, stay tuned. We'll be on the air a ton next week, doing a lot of middays, a couple afternoons, some mornings. We're, we're here, there, and we're everywhere. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I wonder what percentage of Pats fans, the diehards, the loyalists, the true Foxborough faithfuls, how much of this game are they going to watch, considering the time slot and the fact that the only true consequence is A, protecting draft slot for the Patriots. Uh, it's not even about Belichick rallying the troops and getting them to perform for him during the final stretch. And B, the Broncos and their ever-slimming hopes of grabbing a wild-card spot in the AFC. What's Where is the juice in this game? 
um, I continue to say this is a Thanksgiving game. This is background noise. It'll be on everywhere. I think the ratings will be fine because I think it'll mm-hmm. be on. The white noise factor. Good point. People will be watching. No. Like if you said, if you just pulled fans after a game and had like a 10 question pop quiz, hey, in the second quarter, third series, you remember that? And they'd be like, excuse me, what's that? Yeah. No, huh? no, I wasn't no, no. really paying. I, I was I was drinking eggnog. I was opening an early Christmas gift. I was snacking or derving. I was travel, like whatever. It'll be Figuring on where people, to put the kids' gifts. Yes. Uh, no, there's not going to be a lot of like sitting at the TV, like watching the game intently, because I, I think in the ma- matter of a week, we went from what I legitimately thought was the most interesting Patriots game since September mm-hmm. in the Chiefs matchup for different Same. reasons, all that yep. to this is a zero interest. This is a stanker, a stunker, a stinker. This there's nothing a here. stinker, a stanker, a stunker. Yep. There's nothing here. Like. It's our job. I'll be watching the game. I'll be reviewing the game, all of that. Sort of. But yeah, um, it's not a good game. It's just not. And and the Broncos stumbled. They had been rolling. Uh, mm-hmm. I said it earlier when I recorded uh, Cadillac's crucial clashes elsewhere on the Six Rings feed. Oh, can I can I guess real quick? Because uh, I know there's always three clashes that Mike three. highlights in Cadillac's crucial clashes. Uh, let's see. Were the clashes um, Patriots fans versus interest? Andy oh, versus I eggnog this <laughs> and we take it quite seriously over there at Cadillac's clashes. There were real clashes, but heading into last week, uh, I mean, a couple weeks ago, the Broncos right. got back in the picture mm-hmm. by beating the Packers, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Vikings, the Browns had a nice little five game win streak. And they were one of the best at the heels win streaks the in football. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the best win streaks in football. Then they fall on their face last week against the Lions, which kind of got whooped oh, woodshed. Well. You can't really say whooped because they previously gave up 70 points in a game. So it's not even their worst loss of the year. So it's like, yeah, that, that, that was a whoop. They're deep. They're de- that, that was that was an ass whooping. This was just this was their this was a beat down. Yeah, OK, but the Patriots don't have the arsenal. The Patriots don't have the arsenal to really expose no. the Broncos defense. No, the Broncos aren't a great team on paper. Like statistically, no. they have talent. Actually, let me rephrase that. They're not a great team statistically on paper. On paper, talent-wise, depth chart, they are. They have talent littered all over offense, defense. Mm-hmm. They have, like, if you asked Patriots fans, hey, would you take uh, Patrick Sertan? Yes, you would. Mm-hmm. Would you take Justin Simmons? Yes, you would. Would you take Cortland Sutton? Yes, you would. Like, they have individual Would you take Javante Williams? Sure. Yes, you would. Like, there's plenty of those. Would you take Sean Payton? Mm-hmm. No. I wouldn't either. I think Sean Payton's one of the more overrated coaches in the history he's, of the And NFL. he's a whisker overrated. And he's a dink he says some really dumb stuff like some of the things that he does and says are just stupid but the broncos are a seven and seven football team with some talent but not enough to get me like hot and bothered and excited like sutton's good sutton's got 10 touchdowns sutton's not a a, he's not a pedro martinez i'm not like oh i gotta watch Cortland sutton to see what he does in the game kind of guy no he might score a touchdown, whatever. Don't care. They also, let me tell you, I, one of the more disappointing players in the NFL right now, Jerry Judy. Whew, man. Well, that's that just guy, a few people that think that he's great. Like I talked I, to him. He should have been. He's, the, he's quickly turned into the Mac Jones of wide receivers. You were awesome in college, but man, you couldn't handle a little pressure at the pro level for love, sex, or money. Uh, as I quickly examine... The American football. Con- All right. No one needs. No one needs to know that. We're just trying to fill. the like, optional too. I'll take money and sex. Uh, uh, all right. right. Terp, can you go back in? I'll, I'll just, what would that was at uh, 1830? OK, thank you. Uh, the American football conference's playoff picture right now. Of course, your number one seed is the Ravens. They'll be in that big money matchup on Christmas at the big bell bottom and um, an hour outside San Francisco. You got Chiefs, Jags. Dolphins, Browns, Bengals, and Colts. Okay, in the hunt, on the bubble, uh, the Broncos are all the way back at uh, 11th at a 7-7 and record. If they win, they bump up their chance of making it to the playoffs to 33%. But getting past teams like the Texans, who I think are playing better football overall, and the Bills, who I legitimately think have a shot if they go on a run uh, vis-a-vis the 2018 Patriots, the way that they stampeded the Cowboys last week, they have a real chance to make some noise in the playoffs as well. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Broncos don't make the playoffs, but you're going to get it. You're going to get them playing extra motivated and extra hard. How hard do the Patriots play on Sunday night? You're likely not to see a number of 
talented offensive players. Do you think, does Hunter Henry play Sunday night? My guess would be no. I think you could be without Hunter Henry. Jabril Peppers is a bit of a question mark. If you lose those yeah. two guys, um, I think you could be in trouble. I think this second half could be um, an embarrassingly bad half of football. I thought last yeah. you know this, I thought the Bengals um, wanted to get, get away day it last year at Gillette uh -huh. Stadium. They bitch slapped the Patriots in the first half, and then everybody was like, oh, the Patriots hung tight. I think the Bengals were like, hey, can we get on that plane and go home and see our families and kids and presents and stuff now? Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see – you've had Patriots players this week already rec talking about, oh, I wish it wasn't a five-hour flight home after the game. I think the second half could and, – and by the way, they haven't played well in the second half just in normal of late the last yeah, couple it's, weeks. It's zappy um, half hour. You don't get a full zappy hour. It, like, they start on nice, and then they – It could be um, – and without peppers on the field, I feel like, to guilt people into playing hard on defense, I think it could be – I think the Chargers' first half – you could see the second half from the Patriots on Sunday night. I, I think it could be ugly. I think a lot of holiday-related business decisions are going to get made by players in this game. Uh, Miles High. Is, oh, yeah. yeah, Coach, my lungs. I couldn't catch him. My lungs. I, the air uh, coach. I got a couple things I would like to do, actually, in a surprise second leg before we get to the third leg of today's podcast, which, of course, was your fabulous you. conversation uh, with Mike Giardi at the stadium. Fabulous! Week. Uh, Andy, you know, every preview pod with the bet also features a media mashup where Andy or Mike Cadillac catches up with one of the people from the Patriots media cartel on the beat in the fabulous New England media. By the way, shout out to so many negative things are said consistently about Boston media, Patriots reporters, blah, blah, blah. I would just like to give the props and flowers and send a heartfelt thank you to each and every one of the Patriots media who, as coordinated by our friend Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald, put their money out on the table or rather stuffed it into an envelope and shared it with our friend Doug Kide from the Boston Herald, whose family has been going through absolute hell this year as their beautiful daughter Hallie has been battling a cruel and invasive form of cancer that has turned their world and her precious childhood upside down. Uh, people have been giving to the GoFundMe for the Kide family for months now helping out. Um, I know, I believe she's home right now receiving treatment. Um, and it's just uh, a horror show and I would never wish that upon anyone and no child should ever have to go through this. No family should be deprived of the joy of raising a healthy, happy child. So good on you, Callahan and everybody who gave, uh, and supported the Kide family. And hopefully in a few weeks, we'll be having a fundraiser at a local beverage area somewhere on the South shore of Massachusetts, Andy, where we will continue the fundraising efforts for them in this battle. So bravo. Congratulations, Andrew, and everyone who supported the Kide family. Um, and now, in terms of money, uh, let's make some people some money, and maybe they can choose to uh, reimburse themselves for Christmas, support the Kide family, do whatever they stuff it in the Salvation Army bucket, put it, stuff it in a sock for next year, whatever you want to do. It is time for the FanDuel Sportsbook Bet of the Week here on Six Rings and Football Things. FanDuel.com slash six rings to sign up today and take advantage of their fabulous no sweat first bets, same game parlay bets and uh, offers and so much more. Uh, I'm going to keep this one short, sweet and simple. SSS. I will be taking the Denver Broncos to cover at uh, six and a half. The over under is 34 and a half because I think this will be much like you said moments ago, a runaway in the second half. I'll take the Broncos and the over a mile high in the football sky versus the Patriots. Christmas Eve, 8 p.m. Eastern. Andy? So I'm glad you've joined the reasonable side, although it makes me feel bad about my pick because of how bad you've been at picking. But I uh, continue to say that I have no reason to pick the Patriots, so I will take the Broncos. I'll lay the six and a half. Mm -hmm. As I just said, I think it could get a little ugly in the second half, so I think the Broncos could run away with it to some degree. So I like your overpick. But I want to give myself something to root for. We talked about it earlier. People may not be paying oh. super close attention, a last week, if you will. Hmm. Yep. Last week, um, my guy, Kevin Harris, had a sweet touchdown run. You know I like Kevin Harris probably more than anybody really should at this point in his fledgling career. Obsessive. Uh, but he was signed to the active roster. I think he's going to play yet again. The Broncos' run defense absolutely blows. Yep. And Kevin Harris, mm -hmm. anytime touchdown, pays you plus 1,800. So, I'm going to root for the big thighs, the big buys, and the big play from my guy, Kevin Harris. Anytime touchdown, plus 1,800. 
You know what? I'm gonna do as our pal Shime likes to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little sprinkle on that one. Why not? I'm gonna do a little. I'm gonna do a little hot little holiday frosting. A little a little Christmas sprinkle on that one. Now, by the way, because I was in the FanDuel app and I was looking at it, and like plus right now, hundred. Wow. He's at uh, plus eighteen hundred, which is barely more than Jamichael Hasty, who doesn't play. Kevin Harris and is going Michael to get a yeah. Kevin oh, Harris several. is going to touch the ball and have the opportunity to score a touchdown, and he's in the same land of a guy that doesn't. So get it while you can. Plus eighteen hundred for the Kevin Harris anytime touchdown. I might even parlay that. I might get crazy and do a little same game parlay on the FanDuel oh. with like. A Cortland Sutton and maybe a Javante Williams. I can only imagine. Let's see. I'll even tell you right now. I'm going to do that with that and a little. Here we go. And ready, Andy? Oh, my God. A cor- a same game parlay. Anytime touchdown. Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, and Kevin Harris. Plus 10049 So a simple $5 bet would pay you $502.48. Merry Christmas to ah! me, baby. <laughs> And joy in Patriots Nation has been restored once. I'm totally doing that. All right. So (laughs) Christmas has been very expensive this year. So, Um, so yeah, there you go. There's your FanDuel Sportsbook Bet of the Week. We both like the Broncos to cover. We both like the over. And that Kevin Harris anytime touchdown looks tasty. Uh, That's FanDuel.com slash six rings to sign up today. All right. Quick bonus little second leg here before we get to your conversation with Giardi. Just a couple things real quick I want to talk about in Pat's Nation. And also, Andy, we promised some shout-outs to people. We said if you send us a DM, you tweet at us and say, hey, I've been sticking with the podcast. I've been listening through the muck and the mire, the disappointment, defeat, and difficulties of the season. Uh, I'd love a shout-out. We said we'd be happy to do so. So I'd like to uh, get a couple shout-outs right now. Our friend uh, Classy Claire over across the pond in the U.K., tweeted at me and said, boys, I've been sticking with you for all the tight endage and more. Can I get a shout out? Claire, you can for being one of the most jovial, delightful Pats fans possible. You get a shout out, Claire. Thank you, Miss Claire. We love when you have us on your podcast at One Patriot Place. And of course, we love everything that you talk about with your studs on the Patriots roster, although there aren't really that many this year. Uh, Chad Martin. Let's give Chad Martin his Patriot props, Andy. I received this message from Chad just recently about sticking with six rings and football things at Jumbo Hard at Fitzy GFY. I just listened to the latest at six rings pod. And just so you know, some of us are still listening. I appreciate you guys been watching Fitzy since the early YouTube days. And I've been listening to Andy since PFW. We need you through these trying times. Hold it down. And then, of course, he put in a gif of Jon Snow pulling out the sword against the oncoming army of 500. Uh, made famous on Game of Thrones. Chad, we appreciate you. Thank you very much, sir. Here's another one, Andy. Jay, I got a DM from a uh, gentleman by the name of uh, Jason Hoggard, who I believe is a medical doctor. So this man has actually has a big old brain on his shoulders. And he messaged us, gents, I've been listening to Six Rings since I started listening to podcasts last year. I'm very late to the party. We don't judge, Jason. And I still listen to each and every episode every week. Feel free to give me a shout out. I've been a fan since I was a kid in the mid nineties. I grew up in Arkansas and got sick of hearing about the Cowboys. So I picked my own team and I've been a Pats fan ever since I loved Brady. And I really want Belichick to get one more season with a different player personnel department and or structure. But above all, I love the Patriots, no matter who the quarterback or coach is, And I just want to see them win again. Jason's all of us right there. Jason, that is you Pats fan Pats above all. It's always about the team. It's about Pat Patriot flying Elvis. It's about the history, the legacy, everything. No one man. I don't care who you are, right, Bill Belichick, right, Tom Brady, right, Robert Kraft. No one man is bigger than the Patriots. It's Patriots above all. Absolutely. Uh, So I couldn't couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier than reading that. That's just a a beautiful, beautiful thing as well. Now, um, I got a I got a question for you, Andy. So why do you think when I put up uh, a little poll across multiple socials, I just placed a FanDuel, our friends at FanDuel mocked up a nice picture of Caleb Williams in a zero jersey for the Patriots, which I know you love and would probably every one of us would buy one of those in a heartbeat or at least Agent for our kids. zero. Uh, and so and they just said, hey, you know, the uh, here are the odds currently of Caleb Williams going to the Patriots. So I shared it and just asked simply. Patriots have the first, second, third pick, whatever. Caleb Williams is available. Yay or nay, and why? It is a resounding, I mean, not even close, 
almost like a 70-30, Andy. Patriots fans would not want Caleb Williams as the first pick of the team in the 2024 draft. Are you surprised, and what do you say to them? Um, I'm not surprised. They're an emotional lot, you people. Uh, let your emotions, your reactions, your overreactions get the best of you at times. I won't even get into intelligence or smartness or anything like that. So uh, that does not surprise me, but I don't know why you would ever pass on Caleb. You may regret it, just like you may regret Drake May or Marvin Harrison or Joe Alt. All mm-hmm. can be regrettable. There are the the top of the draft is littered with regrettable selections that at the time made sense. But if Caleb Williams is on the board, I can't say Caleb Williams fast enough. I, same here. But apparently you and I live in a different land than other people. Now, I found this very interesting as well. I, I, ca- I ran across this last night when Keith and I were talking quarterbacks, draft picks and more. Um our pal, who we should have on the pod one day because he's just a nice chat and also does a great job on the local news. Um, are you friendly and familiar with uh, uh, Mr. David Wade from uh, from the WBZ? Um, I know of him. I have not really crossed paths with him much. Mm-hmm. Terrific like nice guy. Hello. Very, very nice man. Um, so he tweeted out last night because he's a diehard as well. He is. And he can be emotional and reactionary. His Twitter is littered with some reactions. Which, I, But I like that. I like the Absolutely. fact that it's not like, I'm going to present my, hello, I'm David Wade of WBZ News. And I'm buttoned up and very newsman-like. No, 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 he's a real person. He's got a nice family that he talks about. He gets reactionary to the, he'll enjoy a beverage. Like, this is a, a real human being who's also very good at the news and loves his team. So David... Uh, let's make sure to add him in this. Maybe he'll we can drag him into the conversation. Nice. And then Andy, you'll eventually offend him, and then I'm gonna have to play nice and buy people Locking. beers. <laughs> it happens. It is what it is. People are All right, so, <laughs> so anyway, uh David writes, You want the Patriots to draft a quarterback with the top pick. Here are the first round quarterbacks over the last 10, 10 years in a thread. 2013, none. 2014. Bortles, Manziel, and this is in order of how they were drafted. Bortles, Manziel, Bridgewater. 2015, Winston, Mariota. 2016, Golf, Wentz, Paxton, Lynch. Ugh. 20, I added that in for editorial purposes. 2017, Trubisky, Ugh. Mahomes, and Watson. 2018, of course, we know Mayfield, Darnold, Josh Allen, Rosen, eee, Lamar. Yow. 2019, Murray, Daniel Jones, Haskins, RIP. 2020, Burrow, Tua, Herbert. 21, Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Mack. 22, only Kenny Pickett. And then in 23, uh, Young, Stroud, and Richardson. So David surmises at the end, 32 first-round quarterback picks in a decade, and Evan are 11 are good to excellent. If you count Kyler and Goff, it's up to 13. There have been 16 quarterbacks picked in the top five. Six are stars. I added in Herbert and Stroud. Thus, I have decided I am Team Marvin Harrison Jr., Hmm. Actually, I, when you put all of that together and you see how many first round quarterbacks there have been and what the risk reward is that less than half of them have turned into like certified starters, stars, studs, pro bowlers, all pros, et cetera. I think it's interesting that somebody like David, an informed newsman, if you will, uh, and a diehard Patriots fan would rather take the likelier surefire stud or top prospect that won't backfire in a Marvin Harrison Jr. Do you think more of that logic may catch on over time as we discuss and debate and prepare for the draft and the future of the Patriots? Oh, I think it's very much possible. I mean, Rich Keefe is in that world. Um, There are definitely people that I respect their football um, opinion. Yeah, um, that are in that world. I don't agree with it because, you know, a great wide receiver and the quarterback will make you something. A great wide receiver without the quarterback will just be frustration. He'll be frustrated. You'll be frustrated as a fan. You'll be frustrated as a coach because we have this weapon that we can't utilize that gets double teamed, that the quarterback can't get him the ball. I just, so, you know, those numbers, whatever it is, 30, you want to say 30%, 40% chance of hitting on a quarterback, let's say. Mm -hmm. If you take a quarterback in the first round or in the top five, wherever, I'll take those chances. Like if somebody gave you a chance today, a 40% chance to win the lottery, it's 500, you would be through the roof, right? A 40%, almost 50-50 that I'm going to win the lottery? Like, yeah, or at least, or, or at least like get five of the numbers right and win like $100,000. Right, life-changing money, franchise-changing million, quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just too valuable, it's too much. And I, I don't know, like which, 
I'm trying to think of the drafted receiver that by himself turned a team around. Like, I don't like Joe Burrow got Jamar Chase, but he's Joe Burrow. Um, Justin Jefferson has a high end quarterback in Kirk Cousins. They replaced a good receiver with a good receiver. Like, a fourth round draft pick, though, lest, lest we forget. Yeah, I know. And Brady was in the sixth. Are we going to get one in the sixth? No. Good quarterbacks go near the top of the draft. That's where you got to take them. You can you can dream of the lottery again. That's a scratch off. You don't even you, you now you're just scratching the one dollar ticket hoping for big money. Mm -hmm. All right. And, well, I ask you this. Uh, here's our final question then on uh, this podcast before we get to your chat with Mr. Giardi. Would you dare, considering that the Patriots really almost need not just a starting quarterback of the future, but a new quarterback room? Would you go 2012, then known as Washington Redskins style? and take a quarterback in the first round way in the up top, and then take another one later as they did in the fourth round with Kirk Cousins, who not only panned out as a backup when RG3 got hurt, but turned out to be the better pro. If there was an obvious one, maybe, but in all likelihood, no. I'd like to pair a veteran. I Probably Zappy, a veteran, and a rookie would be my preference. Um, it's at a the good room. Depth chart, um, because this team needs too much. Because you know what else you can get in the middle of the draft? A good wide receiver, a good tight end a good mm -hmm. offensive lineman, a good mm -hmm. running back, like any of the cornerback, like you can find players in the middle of the draft. And this team has too many holes on its roster for me to double up at quarterback. I think you need, you need to nail a draft. Um, you need to at multiple spots. Yeah. The quarterback is going to be the top pick is going to be the talking point, but if you're going to turn this around as quickly as some people are hoping, you're also going to need to nail the third round pick and the fourth round pick, get some starters at other positions, impact guys at other positions. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Let's hope they just don't go special teamers, kickers, or guards in the middle of the draft when some other positions of need are presenting themselves. And with the Patriots not having signed any of their free agents, Kyle Duggar likely to test out free agency, many others as well, seemingly, because we don't know who's going to be picking or signing the players next year. So many questions, so many holes. Fortunately for you, so many podcasts and so many radio shows to come where Hart and I will discuss, debate, and deliberate all of these matters, and maybe we'll even loop in David Wade as well. Well, whatever the holiday is that you celebrate, we hope that you have previously enjoyed it, will come to enjoy it, have the very merriest Christmas, uh, be safe, be well, take the time to enjoy yourself, give big, give generous, have a wonderful time, get nogged out like Hart and I will, whatever the case may be. Thank you guys so much for listening and making us a regular part of your Patriots content, engagement, information, entertainment, and so much more. Like I said, we'll be back on December 26th from 10A to 2P on WEI, where you can listen on FM, the Odyssey app, WEI.com, or any of our fabulous affiliates. All right, coming up, it's Andy's chat with Mike Giardi from Gillette Stadium this week on Media Day. It's a great chat. You're not going to want to miss any of it. Take care, everybody. Once again, Merry Christmas to one and all in Pat's Nation. Thanks for listening to Six Rings and Football Things, obviously sponsored by the FanDuel Sportsbook and brought to you by WEI, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports. Good day. God bless. Go, Pats, and Merry Christmas to all. Back at Gillette Stadium for another Patriots beat writer catch-up interview, and I believe joining us for the second time in the only repeat interview we've had on the Six Rings podcast this year from Gillette Stadium formerly of the NFL Network, currently of Boston Sports Journal and some other weird radio station in town we won't talk about. Mike Giardi. Mike, um, we're going to start with last week's game, which uh, I very creatively and uniquely called a tale of two halves for the quarterback, Bailey Zappi, who appears to have a problem playing second-half football and at a place where they uh, definitely put a premium on 60 minutes of football. He's more of a 30-minute man himself. Um, Bill O'Brien... Um, accurately said well we threw a pick on the first pass of the second half and basically put everything that kind of petered out from there what do you make of this zappy uh tale of two halves thing i think part of it is very much uh he's been a script quarterback right and i think they come out with a good plan in those first 15 to 20 plays uh if they're able to control it properly he's not turning the ball over that he gets into a good rhythm i think you really saw that in kansas city against kansas city right 17 of 19 uh through with rhythm, accuracy, hit the back foot, the ball was gone, like very decisive. And in the second half, uh, Spags makes a few adjustments. And, well, and the interception, which wasn't an adjustment, it was just a terrible decision slash throw. And I know that Farrell Brown may not have run the route properly there. It wouldn't have mattered. There were three guys there. Wherever he decided to throw the ball, it was going to get picked off. 
And as he said afterwards, and I thought it was actually a good bit from Bailey in terms of like almost a disgust with himself, like just got to throw the ball. Like he was just like, I, I, how, how did I not throw the ball away? He said it about four different times, like just put the ball or scramble, like, but you can't do that. And then I think what happens from there is the same thing that happened against Pittsburgh. Same thing that happened at various times with Mac. It was like, okay, we can't trust the quarterback now. Just shut it down. Let's let's play conservatively. Let's hope that the defense can do something for us. And that's how we play going forward. And it's one thing when you're up in Pittsburgh, right? But in this one, you're down. You were down two scores. Then you're down three scores. And then to play that way was obviously counterintuitive to actually trying to win the game. So two things on that. First of all, I continue to joke that the guy he threw to had a bright red jersey on. I still don't understand it. <laughs> That's up there with one of the worst throws we've seen all year. <laughs> yeah, don't throw it to him. Um, but also, it also kind of covers up. I, I think his second half was even worse than the numbers in that I thought each of the first four possessions, I believe the phrase they use in like modern analytics is turnover-worthy plays. He had a turnover-worthy play on each one. So I think... People are publicly seeing what we saw in the practice field, the reason that a lot of media members were like, no, Mac's still the better option. As ugly as it got, Mac still was the better option, and I think we're seeing that play out now on the game field. Uh, the rest of the team is not doing him any favors. You know, like I, I really don't see anybody, other than my guy Kevin Harris. We'll throw him a bone. Kevin Harris with a nice run, and uh, I continue to ask the question, what's cooler, his thighs or his arms, because both are massive. Probably one more productive than the other for an NFL running back. Um, but other than that, where do these next three weeks go? Like, coming off that performance, okay, you put up a good fight, I guess. I know everybody was like, oh, the first half. Yeah, you were trailing. <laughs> Even when you were playing well, I know it's Patrick Mahomes you were trailing. What is the – I don't want to say what's the point because these are professionals, and Delaney Tavai and these guys have said that. And I know Bill O'Brien even yesterday said – Something to the effect, you know, the season hasn't played out the way anyone wanted, but there's still three games to go. we got to keep chipping away here. What are your, I guess, hopes and expectations of the next three weeks? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would say this, Andy, for me, and I I wrote about this on Monday, uh, I didn't like what I saw in the locker room after the game, and I didn't report any specifics on it because – Look, I'm doing it from an observatory standpoint. I'm not quoting people on what they were saying in the locker room that that I wasn't talking to. I think there are a lot of people that are satisfied with the level with which they're playing at. And you're into the whole independent contractor thing right now where, look, I don't win, lose. Like, if we win, that's great. But if we lose and I get my numbers, you know, I play well, then I don't really care. So to me... If there's going to be any carryover from this coaching staff into next year, if, in fact, Gerard Mayo becomes the guy, if Bill's gone or if Bill's back and Bill O'Brien's back and Steve, the whole crew, like, I want to see over the next three weeks who really gives a crap, like, about the right things, not about just their own thing, which is part of it. You got, I mean, obviously, we talk about it all the time. They talk about it all the time. Just do your job. Do your 111th. But, like, who does it matter most to and who's taking it? Uh, the right way and approaching it the right way these last three weeks because it's easier to just sort of show up and do the minimum work required until game day who who are the guys that are still doing the extra work that you know like for, I'll use someone and I use this in the story Jabril Preppers who's been so upfront with us he's he's clearly been if not their best player one of their two or three best players right all year long and he declined to talk for the first time that I can remember but he didn't leave the locker room. I was like, well, he was hurt. He was hurt. I'm like, no, but he was in the locker room and he was half dressed and he was just kind of pacing around and he was taking it all in. And I, I can't imagine that he was all that psyched about some of the little interactions that he saw in the locker room from some of his teammates. Like I'm out there busting my ass. I got hurt. I'm staying in the game. I'm the, you know, I'm the most physical guy. So he's probably been hurt for a long time. Um, like those are the sorts of things that I think if I'm, if I'm Bill or whoever is going to be running this thing, like I'm paying attention to that. Like who, who gives a damn and, and who's sort of just like, a, whatever. Cause those are the guys, you know, like when things start to go like this and in, inevitably in any season, there's, there are little down periods. 
guys fight through that or the guys just accept it and i and i want to see who's still fighting through it yeah peppers fights through it on the field and i i think that's interesting i didn't i wasn't aware of that and i know we're often critical of people that don't speak and don't take on sort of a professional approach but sometimes not speaking might be the professional approach sounds like this could be an example of that like sort of bite your tongue take it in maybe address it behind closed doors later um because i have a lot of respect for him let's jump to some of the bigger picture questions and it's interesting because you answered that question from a player perspective, but there's a, a level above that, which is a coach's perspective. And I thought it was interesting, maybe telling. I'm not even sure what I thought yesterday when um, Bill O'Brien revealed that he wasn't aware that they had claimed a quarterback and he had just kind of met him, which just meeting him, fine. That happens. Don't know when he got here. <laughs> Excuse me. The offensive coordinator wasn't aware. Aren't you also the quarterback's coach? And they didn't have a conversation about who they were bringing in. I thought that was interesting. And now we also have these bubbling um, – Reports, I guess, some of which are coming from your boss, some of which come from Burt Breer, but that Gerard Mayo may or may not be rubbing people the right way, the wrong way. Do you see any um, maybe divide uh, amongst the leadership? And, you know, I know Bill O'Brien a couple of weeks ago talked about it's Kraft, it's Belichick, and then he laughed and said, oh, the rest of us are down here. Is there a growing divide and maybe that area of the team where even those guys are just figuring out show up do my job demarcus Covington, mayo didn't speak to the media even though it was kind of scheduled to like what do you make at that level so to me there's been an interesting dynamic all year long because you have three guys on the staff that all believe they're head coaches um and one is the head coach that's bill belichick but obviously bill o'brien has been a head coach harbors desires to be a head coach again and then, of course, Gerard Mayo. And as I mentioned last night, I think it's been talked about some. Robert Kraft called him the heir apparent right. to NFL media, to Judy Batista. That interview never made the air because I'm sure my guess is Stacey James heard it and was like, uh, we can't say that because that's a violation of all the, the, the checks and balances, the Rooney rule. Like, you can't do that. So I think that's probably why it got buried. But he said it. That's known within the building, or at least coming into this year, like that, that circulated. Guys knew that, okay, well, Robert thinks that Gerard is, and they're all, they're not stupid. They saw the press release that never gets released for offensive coordinator search and then for Gerard Mayo being hired and retained, rather, um, and passing up uh, opportunities to coach elsewhere or interview elsewhere. So I think that's been an interesting dynamic all year long. And then I think. It, <laughs> So the idea that he's rubbing people the wrong way, I think that Gerard speaks honestly. And I think you've been covering this team for a long time. That's discouraged around here. And I think he sometimes just says how he feels. And I think other people that are very, not that Mayo's not entrenched in the Belichick sort of philosophy. He grew up in this. But, like, he approaches it a different way. And he's not going to tell you that it's, uh, that it's not horse bleep when it is horse bleep. And even his point like a month ago, which again I think was one of the things that, that having talked to some people, people might have been annoyed by the, the notion that, yeah, it's kind of hard to keep the defense like we're doing what we're supposed to do and we're trying not to create, but like it's hard to look at them and say like they're not carrying their weight. You know, that's nothing that they say around here. He said it. I don't fault them for said. I appreciate it. I mean, we all do. We all want them to be honest. Um, but there are some people that are like, eh, I wouldn't, you know, who are you? Why are you saying that? Well, he's he's just being honest. He's just telling you the truth. He's not he's not polishing the turd. <laughs> it's a turd, right? So um, I think there is some of that. And I, and I would also say this. I think there's I think there's a little bit of jealousy. Like, again, young guy hasn't been doing it for that long. Gets the, the term heir apparent thrown on him like. They, like I said, they know it. Like I'm sure there's some people who are like I've been grinding for a long time. Why? Why is that? Why? Why is it just him? Why does he get that opportunity? So or potential opportunity? So, um, I, I, just shifting gears in my own head here for a second. I think it's interesting too. And and Greg has talked about this, Bedard, but it's been talked about by other people as well. Like, well, he's never even called his own defense. Well, okay, if you are marrying Bill's two years with Mayo's two years, and that's both of them have two-year deals, right? They'll be entering the last year of their deals, each of them, if they're here next year, um, together. And then he was supposed to be the heir apparent. Well, he was never going to call the defense. So, like, now all of a sudden you're like, well, he, he's not calling the defense? How do, how do they – do they, 
look, they made up their mind that they like this guy. They feel like this, there's something special about Gerard. And I think that that, like, bringing that up now is sort of like, I don't think that factors into what the crafts were thinking at the time. Because at the time, I think they believe he's the guy. Now, have, have things changed? I don't know. That's up to Robert and Jonathan to, to, to tell us at some point with what they do. But um, I just thought that was an interesting point, too. So I, I think Mayo is the most interesting guy right now because in my mind, I've moved on from Bill. I mean, it may be disrespectful, but I will be surprised if Bill is back. Um, I actually posted a column this morning using Robert's uh, deflate gate quote when he said uh, he measured nine times and cut once before he decided to not appeal. And he said, if you had asked me two weeks ago, the answer might have been different. And I think it's understandable with this level of a decision, he could have some back and forth, trepidation. I'm, oh, it's the right thing to do. Ah, oh, maybe it's not the right thing. But in the end, I think when he measures the ninth time, he will cut Bill Belichick out of the equation. That puts Gerard Mayo uh, at the forefront. And so there's two things I want to bring up based on what you just said. First of all, I think if you thought Gerard Mayo was the heir, and by you I mean Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, the organization, I don't. nothing Bill Belichick has done this year should change that because he uh, accelerated the timeline by being worse than you thought he was, by bottoming out, by ruining Mac Jones. Did, did Mayo do any of that? No, Mayo's the same guy you liked last January when you went public with your courting of him, I would say. So I don't think anything should change there. But if something has changed, I wonder if it's calculated by Gerard Mayo in the sense that one of the narratives that's percolating, um, my radio station, your radio station, podcast, if you get rid of Bill, you want to get rid of everything that's ever touched Bill Belichick. And I wonder if Gerard is hearing that or aware of that, maybe even internally, and saying, I'm not Bill Belichick. I've worked under Bill Belichick a long time, but I'm my own man. I've been giving tone and answers for years. You know, I know I'm just the assistant to the assistant to the assistant linebacker. I don't even have business cards. I don't know why I'm here. He's been his own man. He's been pointed in his comments at times over the years. But I also wonder, could it be growing, even internally, amongst his assistant coaches, players even. Oh, you're just baby Bill. You're just Bill on the field. You're just brown-nosing. You became captain year two and this and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm Gerard Mayo. And I do wonder if he's trying to take on a more individual uh, persona to show people around him, above him, outside of here that I'm my own man. And then the last aspect of that, just the thing you mentioned about calling plays, I don't know, did Mike McDaniel call plays? Did I mean, he's now considered like the best play caller in the NFL. I'm watching these mic'd up things where he's like, I'm feeling a one-play scoring drive here before they throw a one-play scoring drive to Jalen Waddle. So I don't really care about the calling of plays. But do you think Mayo could be taking a calculated uh, distance myself from I'm just Bill's right-hand man uh, tactic? From what we know of Gerard, from covering him, and now from his uh, ventures into media and now back into coaching, he's, he's incredibly smart. So it would not surprise me in the least bit if he has taken the temperature of the room and said, all right, like, if you're trying to stick that on me and the stink of the whole team, you know, I'm going to get stuck with some of that too. Like, I'm not that. The hardest thing, and I think we've we've seen it, we just saw it again with Josh, right, McDaniels in in Vegas. Like, these guys talk about – and Josh, I thought, for like five years, was like how much he had learned from his first experience in Denver and coming back here and like – no, it's about the relationships. And then he goes right back into the same sort of mode that he was in when he was in Denver the first time. And I think it's that learned behavior. They I keep hitting this cabinet here. It's, I think it's like they saw Bill. This is how Bill operated for years and years and years. So you can say all these things about being your own guy. Flores did it. Charlie Weiss did it. Like, But when push comes to shove, what you know, what you saw find success was what you were in forever. And that's how Bill did it. And that is going to be, and I think, you know, if Gerard ends up ascending to the head coaching position here or anywhere else, that's something that people will talk about for a long time until he establishes who he is, what he's all about, and finds his own success, that it's always going to be, well, Bill did that, or Bill wouldn't done that. Like, it's always going to be there, and I, to some degree, you're never going to be able to avoid it until, again, you end up getting to a Super Bowl and winning your own ring as a head coach. So speaking of Bill, uh, something popped up this week that really ticked me off. I went on a little rant on a previous Six Rings episode um, when Julian Edelman brought up this idea that Bill told them years ago that the media is going to turn on me at some point. Um, I personally don't believe anyone's turned on Bill Belichick. I think there's plenty of people that didn't like him then and still don't like him. I think the thing that's turned on Bill Belichick is the result. 
the one-loss record, the scoreboard, the performance of his football team. But do you believe, Bill Belichick believes he's bigger than the New England Patriots? Because I'm a big believer that the Patriots, whether it's Pat or Elvis, that guy, that thing, is bigger than y'all. Robert, bigger than you. It's going to exist past you. It'll still be a craft entity, but it'll exist past you, just like it existed past Ron Burton and Gino Capaletti and Andre Tippett and Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. Like, no one's bigger than, like, this is an organization. This is a, a region. This is a, a laundry, I guess, as people say. What were your thoughts on sort of that idea that Bill might believe that everyone has turned on him? I think Bill does think he's bigger than everything and everybody. I think that I've talked a lot this year in particular, even the way they approach the off season, like the institutional arrogance, you know, get questions when you're doing the Q and a or talking to people about like, well, what did they, what were they thinking? And I'm like, internally, and this stems from bill is they've always believed what they do, the way they coach it, the way they scheme it is better than anyone else's. It's the quote, you know, I forget what whose book it was or what story about give me the 15th best quarterback and we'll win. That stems from Bill. Bill, Bill and he, he thought he could do it again, right? And you're proving, no, actually you need, you need talent to, to, be having, to have success here. But in his own mind, I mean, I can already hear the spin if he's released at the end of the year. You know, the people that are going to get thrown under the bus – and how it wasn't his fault, it was this fault, and it was that, and it was that. I didn't want this guy, and you foisted that guy on me, and all oh, the inj- we're already hearing the excuses about the injuries, which, by the way, they have everybody has them across the league. Um, so, yeah, I do. I think it's uh, I think that's a problem. He's always been. You talk to guys that come from other places to play here, and have conversations with them, and they'll tell you like nobody, they've never been in a place that cares more about what the media does or doesn't do what they say than here. It's like an obsession with the, the entire process, which was funny because when you were winning, you know, we could criticize him and he was he was bulletproof. Like, you know, like I, Curran and I used to get into fights when we would do it because Curran would be like, well, they've won five rings. I'm like, oh, so then I guess we just don't have to talk about anything because that's going to be the, the rationale behind everything that they do. They made a bad decision, but he's won five rings. OK, but in this case, he made a bad decision. I still think he kind of operates that way. But now that the criticism is more pointed, the fact that he might be thinking about that, to me, for someone who says, like, we're, we're, we're getting ready for Denver this week, you're not, you're, not, you're not doing what you preach. You're not doing what you tell the media that you're doing because you're spending, whether it's 1% of your time, whatever, you're wasting time on what you or I say. Yeah, I, I've you said we're we are kind of big deals. We're sitting in a closet next to computer equipment and Christmas gifts, but... Yep. Um, I do think he is a victim of his own, um, not just success, which is obvious, like he was never going to be able to continue forever at the same rate, but a victim of the culture he created. I think he is now falling victim to the lights are out to the Patriot way that he created in that year too early, not a year too late. And I think some people are like, okay, he's still Bill, but it looks like it's time to move on, and it doesn't matter what you did last year. It's what you do moving forward. It's this week, and, and all of those things kind of go against him now, and it's like, oh, yeah, maybe if I hadn't beaten that into everybody's head for two decades, they wouldn't be holding me to that standard, but I created that standard. I'm not going to get into the Broncos game as we wrap this up here because no one cares. It's Christmas Eve. No one's going to be watching. If you are watching, you're opening gifts. It's in the background. You're kind of hoping they lose, so you keep the number two pick. Uh, I'll read your column Christmas morning before stockings and coffee. Mike Giardi's column. I'll just sign up for the website first, and then I'll read your column. <laughs> um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, unfairly so. So I'm, I'm telling the listeners this is unfair what I'm about to ask Mike Giardi because I don't think you've probably in specific terms thought of this. But in Mike Giardi's, I'm going to call it um, realistically ideal world. Who's the GM of the New England Patriots? Who's the head coach? And if you want to go so far, who are the coordinators in 2024? Now, wait, this is what I think is going to happen or what I want to happen? Do want first and then think. So do want. I'm cleaning house completely. Um, I am erasing all traces of the Belichick tree. Sorry, Gerard. You're out. (laughs) He'll be fine. He'll He'll land on his feet. I'm going offensive coach. Ben Johnson's the first name that comes to mind because he's taken a, I still think he's an average quarterback in Jared Goff and he's elevated him. I know he's had some rocky moments here recently until the five touchdowns the other day, but like to me, that says something. 
So that's just the first name that jumps out to mind. I haven't like, I haven't taken the deep dive into the coaching pool about what I would do. Um, for a GM, Adam Peters is the name he gets thrown around. He's the assistant in, in San Fran. I'm just going to say this, like again, not giving you a name, but I'm I'm I am looking at the Baltimore tree. I am looking at the San Francisco tree. I'm looking at the Kansas City tree. I think consistently good programs to the last decade or so. I'm 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 feeling that vibe. So go find me, shake that tree, and find me the next guy that someone views as. The, the guy from Everett, who's part of the KC, yep. I can't Borghese, I can't say, I can't. Borghese. Thank you. Um, like someone like that is what I'm I'm thinking of because again, I think it's fresh ideas. But what's working lately in the league, where are the trends going, I think they've been behind the trends here. So to me, that's kind of the route that I'm thinking. So now, what's going to happen? I think at the end of it, it's going to be Gerard. It's going to be Bill O'Brien. And it's going to be Stephen Belichick, assuming that Bill doesn't get a head coaching job. If Bill gets a head coaching job, I would imagine Stephen would go with him. But that's just sort of my... And Matt Groh? Who's in personnel? That's got to change. Like that. Well, if you want fast players, you got to draft fast players. Well, he drafted fast, fast players that can't play uh, and tough players that aren't smart enough to stay on the field or do what they're coached to do. I, that's got to change. Like, I, I can't. And whether that's promoting one of the guys who are underneath him into that spot, you just get different, you know, because I think those guys don't all see the thing the same way. Um, but I think that Matt Groh, Bill goes, Matt's got Bill. Okay, so I'm going to answer the question myself first, a little bit biased. So I've been throwing around Adam Peters' name quite a bit. I think he makes a lot of sense. Now, I did read something out of San Francisco, like they may be looking to promote Lynch and Peters. I don't know if that's an angle to try to retain him. I think Lynch is going to go to president or whatever and then peters goes to gm from assistant gm very crafty very well attempted if it works so i would go peters not really having any idea whether that would work or not i just they have a good team he's learning under an interesting situation i would also stick out west and this is my totally biased view shane waldron my toughs guy who has turned geno smith into drew lock into the greatest backup quarterbacks we've seen in a long time i love shane i think he's a good guy and i think if you just look at the production and the resume as you said taking a quarterback maybe we don't respect, whether it's Jared Goff or Geno Smith and turning that into good enough. I'd like to have a little attempt at that around here. Now, my last question I lied for you. One thing I've started to wonder about is the timeline we're going to see as Robert Kraft continues to measure eight times and then gets to the ninth time. Is the ninth time January, I think it's eighth, the day after the game? And do other teams play into that? And I ask that because I know I've thrown out the Cowboys, that Jerry Jones, when the Cowboys lose, when, when I said when, not if, when, he could get really pissed off. McCarthy, you're out. Bill, how much you want? Robert, what do you want for? Whatever, however that unfolds. But that could be third week of January, fourth week, something like late January. Bills. I think the Bills would be a fun place for, for Bill Belichick to land with Josh Allen, who he once didn't get the hype about and now probably gets the hype about. Um, but again, they're looking like they're going to make a run here to get into the playoffs. Now everybody thinks they're the most dangerous. How does this timeline marry up with Patriots season ends? You have the number two pick. You need to find a GM. You need to find a new head coach, maybe. like How does that all work in the next month plus? If they do it the right way, Andy, maybe I don't fire him on Black Monday. I fire him the day after. I fire him on the Tuesday. Let Respectfully. Yes, kind of. Yeah, like you, you kind of deserve your own day, if you will. Um, I think if they screw around with the idea, like we want to get compensation for him, they're only – if they're going to move on from him, they're only holding back their own organization and the plans to move forward and to turn the page and become something new, different, and rediscover the upward trajectory, you know, that – has been hard to find here for the last four and a half years. So to me, that's, I think that's massive. I don't know that they'll do that because I'm sure they look at Bill still, even in his de you know, depressed asset state, and say he still might be our best asset, which, again, is a problem with roster building, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I, I don't think you can screw around with that. You know? I, and I would say the other thing you can add to this, and, again, I have no indication. I know my boss has thrown this around. Others have kind of kicked around Mike Vrabel's name but that's an interesting one because there are connections here he said what he said when he was here for his hall of fame thing and you know like we he, I think he had didn't he reference them as we like so 
That's an interesting one because it hasn't gone great in Tennessee for the last year and a half, uh, mostly because of terrible roster construction, which got his friend, John Robinson, blown out as a GM. But then he thought he was going to have another one of his guys be the GM, and all of a sudden Rand Carthon's the GM. And so that that is – he won the power struggle, but then he didn't win the power struggle because then all of a sudden they inserted someone in that wasn't his choice. So that just is one to watch. He's, you know, I think he signed through 20, 27, 20, 28. But as we know, that can easily be fixed. He is Mike Giardi, Boston Sports Journal, and he appropriately joined us this Christmas week because he is the Grinch who coined the phrase about the Patriots wide receivers stink, stank, and stunk to start the year. And for the most part, he was dead on with that assessment, as he is generally dead on with most of his opinions because I say this, and I'm not just blowing smoke up his ass because he's in the room and sitting in front of me. Combination of opinions and information, I don't think there's anybody better than Mike Giardi, and uh, therefore that's why I don't really love his projection of what's going to happen this January in terms of Gerard Mayo, Bill O'Brien, Steve Belichick, and just sort of bringing the band back with a different lead singer. It hurts me a little bit too. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. This has been Six Rings and Football Things, another beat reporter chat at Gillette Stadium. Enjoy Patriots Broncos on Christmas Eve if you indeed watch the game. If you don't, well, you're a pretty smart person. See you.